Let me invite you to take your Bibles and go back with me again this evening to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter 4. We'll stick with a sports introduction again this evening. You'll have to bear with me. Um, Growing up, my brother and I enjoyed collecting, trading uh, baseball, basketball, football cards. Uh, Probably shared that with you before in the past. And uh, one of the things that worked really well with that was that my grandpa managed a 5 and 10 store. And uh, when you go to visit grandparents, grandparents kind of do what grandparents do. And uh, so often with grandpa, it would be, hey, let's go into the store. Like, if you want to pick something out, it's yours, Uh, which was quite the fun privilege of going to visit grandpa and uh, often led to many requests. Can we go to see grandpa at the store? Can we still go see grandpa at the store? And uh, somewhere along the way, I don't remember it being a trip. Uh, I don't remember how it happened. I just remember being at home. Uh, My brother and I realized that at the top of our closet in our shared bedroom, were boxes and boxes and boxes of unopened baseball cards. It's like, how did we miss this? You know, we've got the you know notebooks full of cards and all the slots, and we've got the little protective holders and ones that aren't really worth anything. You know, we've got the rubber bands around them, and they don't really matter. They're just in stacks, and we'll try to uh, offload those on some friend down the street uh, to trade for some kind of better card along the way. Uh, But we realized those boxes were up in the closet and came to the conclusion pretty quickly, like, those can't just stay there. Like, we need to find out what's in them. And so we're opening the boxes of cards and inside are the little packets. And I think there were probably three motivations in opening them. One, some of the packs had stickers in them. Um, Being guys, it was like, okay, that's kind of the lowest level, like, eh. I don't know that we're really excited about these different uh, logos and emblems with stickers in there. Uh, Kind of the next level up was there's gum in there, which I kind of laugh about now because as you can imagine, when they've been stored on the shelf for years, um, that wasn't real high quality gum. It was pretty hard. It took a little while for uh, that to loosen up and get moving, but we're like, who wants the gum to sit on the shelf? I mean, at some point, you got to put that to use, right? Maybe not. And then the third reason was to go through and look for cards that might actually be worth something. And, you know, pre-internet days back then, we're getting the Beckett book and flipping through and finding and going, what quality is this card? And trying to discern how much is this worth along the way. That came to my mind this week. And you're like, why? Um, Because I think, sadly, for a lot of believers... Many in the American church, particularly as a whole, God has given them something, and it's sitting in their closet on the top shelf, and they kind of even forget that it's there. Instead of saying, God gave me a gift that's to be used, enjoyed, benefiting others around me. We started in the text of 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and verse 11 this morning. We're going to finish that out, Lord willing, this evening, um, reminding us that God has given every Christian a gift. In fact, I'll note for you, I missed it in my notes this morning, um, just in case it confuses you. In verse 10, it says, As every man hath received the gift, and some people might be like, well, what exactly is the gift? 
again, if you were to pull out maybe an interlinear Bible or Strong's, well, you can't really see it in Strong's Concordance, that would be an interlinear Bible, you would notice that there is no definite article in the original languages. It's not there. It's been added by the translators here. It is very biblically, textually accurate to the original languages to say, as every man has received a gift. There is no definite article there. So everybody's received some kind of gift. But a lot of people think, well, you know what? Church is something that I come to, I take in whatever's offered, I leave, and then I go on my merry way. Instead of going, what has God given me that is necessary to benefit all those around me, to help build up brothers and sisters in Christ for their benefit and ultimately for the glory of God, which is what we're driving at this evening. We'll spend a little bit of time in some of the other texts, but not as much as we did this morning. So I just want to remind you that with this particular theme of grace has gifted you, that you also need to look at Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and this text here in 1 Peter chapter 4. Let me read the text again for us, verse 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him do it, or let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability that God, which God giveth that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This morning we looked at the reality. The reality simply stated, you have a gift. And if I drive home one other thought, just remind you we covered two textual observations, three scriptural observations, and then three practical observations or considerations as well. Of all of those, the one I wanted you to remember is, you find your gift by serving, by doing, just by being engaged and involved. So we come back this evening beyond the reality you have a gift. So let's look at this responsibility that I mentioned in passing this morning. The responsibility, simply use your gift. Don't put it in a closet up on the shelf, there to be ignored or occasionally revisited, but frequently regularly take the grace that God has given and use it to benefit other believers to the glory of God. I think within the text of verse 10, two additional thoughts arise about our responsibility to use our different gifts. Number one, use your gift in service to other believers. Use your gift in service to other believers. He says, even so, minister the same one to another. There is an interpersonal, relational aspect to the way that God has gifted us in his grace. This isn't used in isolation. This is not one of those common kind of things today of private American Christianity. Go, well, that's just between me and God. Like Ultimately, yes, your accountability is to God, but the exercise of spiritual gifts happens within the body as believers interact with one another. It is another good reminder for us as to why the gathering of believers is so important. Because this isn't something that can happen through live stream. This isn't something that can happen at a distance. But to use our giftedness for the benefit of one another. 
This word minister here in verse 10 is actually the same word that's used of deacons in their service. Now again, when we think of deacons, that's a specific office within the church that that believers recognize and choose out from among their midst men who meet the qualifications in light of Acts 6 and 1 Timothy chapter 3. But I think that idea of serving helps us here to go, as every man has received this gift of God's grace to them, even so serve the same one to another. That idea of serve means it, it highlights a care for others, a willingness to meet their needs, to render assistance, You know, if we're going to take gifting that God has given us and serve others, it's going to require that humility that we touched this morning that we also touched last week. It's not just going to require humility. It's going to require love for me to go, hey, you know what? I I want to care about those around me and take what God has given me and use it for their benefit. Again, another really good biblical argument, I think, is that text we touched in this this morning from 1 Corinthians 12. Here's all these gifts within the body, but I show you a more excellent way, 1 Corinthians 13. Like, we can be really gifted, and we can be together with one another, but if we're not long-suffering, patient, kind, if we are promoting ourselves, we're missing the point. We're lacking love. This responsibility to use your gift in service to other believers requires humility. It takes love. I would also remind us it can involve sacrifice. So simply put, I'll ask us, do we, do you love other believers enough to use your gift to serve them? To prioritize meeting their needs? Is that how you walked into church today? This morning, maybe this evening. You go, God, would you just use me to glorify yourself, to help someone else, to be an encouragement? Doesn't just need to be here at church. Certainly it can happen through the week as we interact with other believers as well. But to go, how can I help? How can I serve? How can I take what God has done in my life and gifted me and help? Gifts take our Christianity beyond a spectator sport. It means that we don't get to be armchair quarterbacks. It makes every last one of us an integral part of the team. So this is the first aspect of our responsibility. Use your gift in service to other believers. But secondly, we touched this this morning, so we won't belabor it at length tonight. But secondly, use your gift in stewardship of God's grace. Use your uh, gift in stewardship of God's grace. He says, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Once again, we're reminded that our gifting is not earned or deserved. It's not a strength that we have achieved. It's not some innate dynamic to our personality that's been true from the time that we're very young. But it's to go, you know what? God's gifted me in his grace. God delights to use me. And so... I'm going to seek to be a good steward of the grace that he's given. Again, I'd remind you of Romans 12, verse 6 that we looked at. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the profession of faith, and he starts to go through the different gifts. 
In other words, God's gift of grace isn't supposed to be dormant or inactive. It's supposed to be used, right? It's not to be like the parable that Jesus tells of the man who receives his talent, and he's like, I'm scared, so I'm going to bury it in the ground because I'm just worried. But to go, God, you've gifted me, and so let's put this to use. And in that, there might be failures and shortcomings and missteps, and I wish I hadn't, and I wish I would have. But to go, God, I just don't want to be guilty of being inactive with the stewardship of your grace that you have given. I think within this idea, there are two additional thoughts that we ought to be reminded of. One, from Romans 12, verse 6, the diversity of stewardship is again highlighted. It's true in 1 Peter 4, verse 10 as well. This manifold grace of God, that idea of manifold is it's varied. It's all different kinds. Like It shows up in a lot of different ways. So God in his graciousness says, we don't all need someone like me or someone like you. We need lots of different people with lots of different gifts so that the body makes increase of edifying of itself under the increase of itself in love. Secondly, not only is the diversity of stewardship highlighted, but the quality of our stewardship is emphasized. 1 Peter 4.10, as mediocre stewards, right? Occasional stewards. It's like, no, it's good stewards. Like, what we want to do is be looked at and say, the quality of your work, the quality of your stewardship is good. You've handled God's grace well. So again, we might ask you, how is your stewardship of God's grace gift in your life going? I did say it this morning, but I'll repeat it again tonight. Many of us spend time evaluating our stewardship, going, how did I use my time? Did I use my time wisely? What could I have done better? Let me, let me write out a schedule. Let me plan ahead because I want to be a good steward of the time. I mean, time is limited. You can't get it back. When it's gone, it's gone. So let's be good stewards of our time or let's be good stewards of our finances. And we start to go through these things. Here we're told we all have a stewardship of God's grace particularly in the way that he has gifted us to go, are we being good stewards of the gift that God has given? Good stewardship of that gift is not, just by way of application, a couple reminders here, good stewardship of your gift is not filling your schedule with so many activities that you don't have time to serve another believer. Problem in our day? It's like, well, yeah, I'd like to be involved in trying to help you, but, you know, life's just crazy. It's really busy. I just just don't have time. That's bad stewardship of the gift that God has given us in his grace. Good stewardship of our gift is not excusing ourselves because you think someone else could do it better or they've got it covered. It's easy sometimes. Like, well, there's really no need for me. I mean, I mean, look at that person. They do such a good job. They don't need me. Or, or you know what? There's just lots of people. I'm sure somebody's got to take care of. Like, God has gifted us in his grace. He's indwelt us by his spirit. He's entrusted us with his word. If he begins to prompt us to serve, we best just submit and go, God, if you want me to, I will. God, I feel awfully weak, but God, I know your grace is enough. God, I will. 
Good stewardship is not filling your schedule. Good stewardship is not excusing yourself. Good stewardship is not prioritizing other matters to the exclusion of service. All of us have a gift if we've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. That gift, our responsibility is to use it in service to other believers as a stewardship of God's grace. Having looked at the reality, you have a gift, the responsibility to use your gift. Third, we want to look at our reliance. Our reliance. You need God. It's already been said, it's a gift of grace. But as we come to verse 11, the point is spelled out very clearly. It's like, just so we don't get confused, just so experience in ministry and service opportunity doesn't get replaced, He's like, let me help you understand, you need God. We can break our reliance here in verse 11, our need of God, into two areas of giftedness. Number one, beginning of verse 11, you need God in speaking. Like if God has gifted you to speak, to teach, to communicate, whether in a group or one-on-one, you need God. You need his word. Verse 11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. That word oracle simply refers to his word or sayings. It's, uh, again, etymologically connected to the idea of logos. In the beginning was the word. It's, it's the word. It's a similar idea there. To go, if any man speaks, let him speak the words of God. True because of his calling and his gifting, but even more so true when our content comes from the inspired word of God or the Bible. To go, if, if I'm going to be a help to you in the gifting that God has given to me as a pastor and teacher, I need to communicate to you the word of God, not my thoughts, not my opinions, but here's what God has said. To go, we stand in need of God's word. Two examples are given here. The first is speaking. We'll get to the second in a moment. I'm not, for sake of time, going to take you to the other text that I listed earlier But I will remind you that in each of them, we have different gift lists. They they don't all mesh together with the same exact words. But in all of those areas, we do it saying, God, I need your help. Effective ministry here in the example in 1 Peter 4.11 is speaking. And effective ministry in speaking is not dependent on the skill of the speaker, but on the grace of God. The second area of giftedness that's listed here is not only you need God in speaking, but you need God in serving. Just a very broad term here. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. If any man serves, let him do it with the strength that God gives. That word for ability speaks of a capability or capacity to function effectively. To be strengthened is one of the uh, other definitions that shows up in a dictionary or lexicon. To go, if any man minister, let him do it by the strength that God gives. This is a huge help to us if we just stop and think about it for a moment. Uh, In fact, let me give you two other thoughts here that show up in the idea of the word give. One is a present tense verb, which means he is giving. Not like he gave it to you and left you, but like, He keeps giving you what you need. So we might say it this way. He gives continually, which helps. 
And then within eight, innate within the idea of the word is not just that he gives continually, but he gives abundantly here. Again, I'd encourage you, pick up your Strong's Concordance and look at that word, give. It's very infrequently used, two times in the New Testament, one in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the other here. To go, he's giving where you have plenty, more than enough. He gives abundantly. So if any man serves, let him do it by the ability that God gives. When we get this and realize our reliance that we need God and that he supplies, it helps us in a number of ways. First, it helps us by fighting pride and arrogance. To go, you know what, if I'm serving, it's not up to me. It's not what I've got in the tank or the, the skill set that I have. It's what God does. And so it combats pride and arrogance. Secondly, it encourages us to serve in our weakness. To go, you don't feel you can. That's okay. I mean, I'm sure many, if not all of us, have faced those situations. Where maybe it's a new opportunity. And you're like, I, 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 don't, I don't think I can do that. And it's like, no, you're going to do that. But, but I, I, I don't think I can do that. Like when I first came, the thing that terrified me the most here was actually teaching like three, four, five-year-olds. Like, oh man, that terrified me. I learned, you know what? Actually, they're a lot of fun. Like it is a blast. But you know what? For me, I need... God's grace to help there. The next thing that terrified me, teaching adult Sunday school, particularly senior saint Sunday school. Man, you know what you learn? God's grace is enough. God's word meets people where they are. And so I don't know what it is for you where you face opportunities like, I don't think I can. When you minister, when you serve, do it as the ability which you have. Now, that's not what the text says. According to the ability which God gives, continually and abundantly gives. On the other hand, maybe it's not an opportunity. Maybe it's just the actual timing of the situation. Um, you had that week where you're scheduled for a ministry thing, and you're like, any week but this week. Like, like it would have been fine if this was last week, but you know what happened this week? Like, I have nothing left. God knows. And in his sovereignty, he brings you to the place where it's like, you're going to need my help on this one. And that's a wonderful, good thing. So that we go, you know how we minister, how we serve? We do it according to the ability which God given. When our right reliance is rightly understood, it fights against pride and arrogance. It encourages us to serve in weakness. And third, along those same lines, it helps us with dependence. It helps us with dependence. I think on a practical level, we can help assess, is our ministry in stewardship of God's grace dependent and reliant or not, simply by asking ourselves, did we pray? Let's go God, I have this opportunity in front of me, and I really need your help. God, I need your wisdom. I need your grace. God, I don't want to lean on my own strength. 
You know, we see this very clearly early on when we're discovering our spiritual gift and we hit things and it's like, ah. But you know what can happen to us over time is we just kind of get used to it. And we build up a catalog of experiences that was like, you know, that used to intimidate me. That doesn't intimidate me as much anymore. And it's very subtle, but we begin to just kind of lean on our experience, to lean on our strength. And again, it's a wonderful thing that God gives us experience, but we want to step into ministry. We want to step into the stewardship of our gift going, I need grace. I need enablement. I need God's help. It is definitely okay to minister in the confidence of God's calling and gifting. It is definitely okay to minister in the confidence of God's calling and gifting. But we must do so remembering our need and resting in his grace to work. We could say it this way, your gift and its service are dependent on God, not you. Your gift and your service are dependent on God, not you. The reality, you have a gift. The responsibility, use your gift. Our reliance, you need God. And finally, we encounter at the end of verse 11, the reason. The reason, God deserves glory. God deserves glory. As we saw this morning, and I want us to miss this because I believe it ties in, but it's not the focus here. As we saw this morning, the ministry of our gifts, I'm going to say the ministry of your gift, is necessary for the maturity of the church. Okay? As we saw this morning, the ministry of our gifts is necessary for the maturity of the church. God has gifted each believer for the good of other believers, building them up. But here, we're reminded of the greater, ultimate picture to go the ultimate goal, both in the maturity of the church and just in the exercise of the gift, is the glory of God. For us to say, look at his worth. Look at his radiance as part of the idea of glory. Look at his splendor. Assign value to him. It says, we're stewards of God's grace. We speak his words, we serve in his strength. Why? So that God, in all things, may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Again, notice that word, all things, everything. So that all that is done in between believers within the church, that God would shine brightly. Because after all, it's his work through Jesus that brought us into relationship with one another. Like, all our relationship is driven by Jesus Christ. We have fellowship with him, and truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. 1 John 1, 3, and 4. Because there are people of different ages, different backgrounds, different skill sets in this room because of Jesus Christ. And in Christ's infinite wisdom, and he's given different gifts of grace here. And as they work together, the goal is, God, you deserve glory because of Jesus. The one who right now deserves praise and has power and of power or dominion over all. He has the authority 
and the glory because of what he has done. In fact, uh, that phrase is translated forever and ever reminds us this is a work that's now and in the future and in the future and in the future and in the future. The word is translated there has an idea of age after age after age, eternity after eternity after eternity, just to keep going. It is forever and ever. And today, simple reminder, reality You have a gift. Responsibility, use your gift in service to other believers as a stewardship of God's grace with your reliance going, God, I need your help. And the ultimate reason, God, you deserve glory. I'll ask you one more time for today. What is your gift? Even more important than the exact identification, can you say, but I'm seeking to find it by serving. I want to give glory to the one who gave it because he has all control and deserves eternal praise. Let's pray. Father, I thank you once more for this text, how you've challenged and encouraged me with its truth. Lord, I pray that you would do the same for each believer here, that we would be active as stewards of your grace. God, it's a humbling realization to see that you've given us your grace in Jesus Christ for salvation, but also given us your grace in the stewardship of a gift by which we get to serve you, serve one another, and bring glory to your name. God, I pray that we would be active in our stewardship, serving one another. It's in Jesus' name we pray.